Hello fellow Cthuloids, Jeremy here with a quick note before the show, inviting you to become a patron of the Lovecraft Tapes. Yep, that's right. We've taken the plunge to start a Patreon page where you can help fund our actual play, Call of Cthulhu, horror comedy RPG podcast. We've set up tiers from $1 students at Miskatonic all the way to $500 for access to the Dreamlands. But what in heck will you get in return for your hard-earned dough? I'm glad you asked. In addition to helping us produce a time-intensive weekly show, you'll get access to exclusive subscriber-only content, including bonus episodes, fiction, show transcripts, original scenarios written by me, The Keeper, and a members-only channel on our Discord server where you can chat happily with other like-minded fans. Not only that, we want to interact with you on a more personal level. So that means meetups, Xbox Live gaming, invite-only live video broadcasts, exclusive giveaways, and much more. So head on over to patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes and help us out. We thank ye kindly. Now, let me just press the button on this old reel-to-reel tape player. Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a horror role-playing game based upon the fictional works of H.P. Lovecraft. Your investigators of the unknown are... Matt, as private detective Dan Williams. The man who asks why you clear your driveway of five inches of snow in the middle of a snowstorm has never had to clear ten inches of snow at the end of said snowstorm. Brian, as special agent Jack Whiteside... I don't like snow, so I'm just going to stay under the blankets. And Gabe as Special Agent Roy Arroyo. Do you get it? It's snowing where we're recording this. Indoors. Dead giveaway. Well, yeah, you got you poor bastards on that side of the state. Getting oh, socked. Ten inches. Oh, excuse me? And it's snowing. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, melts in your mouth. Not in your hand. Oh. Well, guys, today's question is, what would you do for a Klondike bar? I'd, I'm ashamed of the things that I would do for a Klondike bar. What do you want me to do, Daddy? I've killed 37 people for just one Klondike bar before. Only 37? Those are rookie numbers, man. You gotta pump those numbers up. Gabe, you were the closest. Uh, the answer actually was flay the skin off my kneecaps, fry it up with some nice goat butter, then feed it to a random hobo in a dark alley. That's what I meant, so... Alrighty then, let's check the mailbag for any letters from beyond. From beyond. On Facebook... Joshua Lowen says, Love the podcast. I run COC and has inspired me to set my next campaign in a modern setting. I just caught up and am looking forward to more. Thanks, Josh. And Jody Gorton says, Just wanted to drop a quick message to you guys. I stumbled upon your podcast last summer and have been slowly listening to you since then. I am up to September of last year and you just wrapped up the My Life string. I am loving everything you guys do. I have stolen a few ideas of how you have your sessions set up for my own gaming sessions. Specifically, the recap from each character and the rule highlight at the beginning of each session. Keep up the good work, guys. Nice. Um, We're going to need some royalties on that. (laughs) And Daniel Ivey on Facebook says, Hey, just wanted to say I've been listening to your podcast for the last week at work. Y'all are the first podcast to actually grab my attention. I've been going through a fair amount of hell these last few days, and your podcast made a world of difference for my stress. I about died twice today. Once was from ice on the road. The other was listening to Roy deal with his 11 kids. So thanks for brightening my day. Nice. That's great. Luckily, we didn't break you. Yet. On Reddit, we had a few little mentions here from Nyad Naturalist. Hearing you guys mention and discuss my comment made my day. Also, I can't remember the last time I gasped and yelled no while listening to a podcast. <laughs> Deja vu. Theos Chaos says, just caught up, excited for more. And our good buddy Scott Dorward said regarding episode 41.1, fantastic stuff. I love these little interludes. This one was especially creepy. And Bite of Pear, uh, regarding episode 41, says, Love the nod to Menards this week. Hashtag still not sponsored. Like any Midwestern folk, I got that infamous jingle stuck in my head. So I revamped it. Feel free to use. Just hand me a kudos. Not a Molotov, nor a signed copy of my life. Keep up the crazy cool job, guys. And here is his jingle that he revamped, which you... As we all Midwesterners would know, he says, Who cares it's a bit rusty? Bloody. Get your projects, victims, running when you buy it, Bernard's. (laughs) Bernard's. 
That's the best I could do. And finally on Reddit, H one says, I love this podcast. I am a longtime TAZ listener. This is my new favorite real play podcast, hands down. I listen to it all the time now. I might be addicted. And on Twitter... How We Roll Podcast at HWR Podcast. Lovecraft lovers and Cthulhu cultists. If you're missing hashtag Call of Cthulhu actual play and can't wait until our upcoming secret releases, I've been enjoying the Lovecraft tapes. Yes. So I appreciate that shout out from yeah. a fellow podcast. Thank you. Also on Twitter, Chris C at Chris C underscore 715 regarding episode 42.1. Really like this interlude. Could feel the cold, dark depths pressing in on me, alone at the bottom of the sea. Nice. Wow, that's good. Richard Rolls at Mr. Ha- underscore Drachir. Regarding also episode 42.1, what a trippy and well-written tale. When does the children's book come out? We're working on the publishing deal right now. Give yeah, us, we got to get the rhyming time. down. That cowboy at that cowboy says, just discovered your podcast and I've been binging it on the way to and from work and when cooking. So far, 10 episodes in, three days, and I'm loving it. Makes me wish I was still playing the game. Really? Play. Play. <laughs> Nothing stopping you. Says the man with a full calendar. And finally on Twitter, Nigel Mong at Nigel Mong says, Hell House is my fave Lovecraft tapes chapter so far. Great chemistry between PCs, great NPCs, and nice detective work. Just me yelling in frustration most of the time. What the hell's going on and where am I? (laughs) What do you mean we don't get signal? Why is everybody dead? God damn it. (laughs) Get up. Quit bleeding. Dan, you're still healthy. Jump in that doorway. (laughs) (laughs) Hit the face with glass. Hit the face with hammer. Shot with... Thank you very much for those letters from beyond. Thank at you. any time, you can feel free to Twitter us at Lovecraft Tapes. Whoa. Nobody's going to Twitter me. Also, if you like, uh, join us on our Discord server. There's a should be a link on our website. Feel free to come on and chat with other fans. So I think, gosh, how many people do we got on there there now? About a dozen or so? Quite a bit, yeah. Let's level up. Yay! So go ahead and open up your development cheat sheet. And we're going to go through these one at a time. We're going to start with Matt and Dan. So the first thing we're going to do is uh, check your skill checks. So you're going to roll D100 for each skill check. Basically, if you get over but not equal to, you're going to increase that skill by 1D10. So let's go start with what you got. Fighting Brawl there is your first one, Matt. Yep. Yep. So you need over a 70. I finally successfully hit someone with my fists. (laughs) <laughs> and that would be a new i needed a, a 71 or more and i rolled a 51 want want so go ahead and uncheck that and let's move along to language god damn it this is the so this is where all my luck from the last episode of the last scenario went you're usually so good at failing i know right that's why i was excited i needed a 41 plus and i rolled a 33 on to my Listen skill, which is currently at a 61. Woohoo! I rolled a 99. There it is. Nice! All right, so you're going to roll a d10 and increase that puppy. See, he is a bad listener. Hey, that's nine more points on to... Hot damn tamale. Holy shit. Gives me 70 points in listening. Ooh. That makes sense for a private detective. What? And finally, a spot hidden. I need a 59 plus, and I rolled an 82, so I do get more spot hidden. All right, D10 that sucker. And that's a 10. Nice. Holy macaroni. Dang, that's a good jump. I only had two successes, but my two successes were really nice successes. Righto. So what we're going to do is take a look at your key connection. Your key connection was gunshots. And essentially what we need to determine as a group is whether or not you have done anything in the previous scenario to alleviate that or confront that. I got shot. Yeah, he got shot. And survived. He stopped me from shooting a lot of people. That Yeah, that too. I did stop Roy and Aaron from shooting quite a few people. So do we all agree that probably his key connection was met? I would say so. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like that's the consensus. So uh, you're going to go ahead and make a sanity roll. And if it's equal or under your sanity... 62. Uh, and I rolled a 33. Then you're going to add D6 to your sanity. And I get three points back, which puts me at 65. Nice. 65 out of 66. Awesome. So uh, recover luck. Go ahead and roll D100 or make a luck roll. If you get over your current luck, you can add D10. I did not. Push the oh, roll. Too bad for you. one point. So we're all done with you, Dan. Let's go ahead and move on to Jack. Yeah. So we'll start with your skillies. 
Aye. And your first one is firearms, because you shot a bunch of mofos. I needed a 50. I rolled a 55. So you're going to roll a D10. I got a 9. Sweet. So bump that up to 59 and uncheck that box. And then move on to listen. Yay. I needed a 41 or more, and I got an 81. Yay. So roll D10. 9. So you're up to 49. Uncheck that box. I'd like to apologize, guys, because all my good rolls will be gone. <laughs> this means when I when I level up my skills, if I get past it, I'm going to get like a 1. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're on spot hidden. I needed a 71 or more. I rolled a 7. Oof. All right. Uncheck that. You can see everything. And finally, track. You need a 51 or more. I did not get it. I need a 51 or more. I got a 29. All right. Let's move on down to your key connection. And I see fear of open spaces. Mm -hmm. Guys, what do we think? Did uh, Jack do anything to challenge that key connection? There wasn't a whole lot of frolicking through open fields. No, I stuck to the tree line too. So that would have been made. It probably would have worked against me in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Instead of walking through the field, I stuck inside the tree line. So he's even more afraid of open spaces. (laughs) 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 All right, well, your current sanity is 77 out of yeah. 80, so you're not exactly hurting, so right. we're going to go ahead and skip through that. And also, we're going to go ahead and do a luck roll. So go ahead and make yourself a luck roll, and you want to get over a 33. I got an 89. Nice. So you're going to go ahead and roll D10. Two. So 35. That's well, it's not bad. better than no luck at all, right? That's right. All right, well, that's going to take care of you, sir. Thank you. And let's move on to Arroyo. Okay, so my first one's firearms. Sweet. I need to get over a 21. I got a 35. So go ahead and increase that baby. D10. I increase it by four. Nice. Uh, The next I have a persuade. I need a 51 or more. I got a 20. So that's a fail. Okay. And then my final one is spot hidden. I need a 71 or more. I got a 61. Can I spend the luck? (laughs) (laughs) And then roll it to get it back in a minute. (laughs) If only. So it'll take care of that skill, puppy. Uh, Let's look at your key connection. Fear of frogs. Guys, (laughs) we didn't really... Are you kidding me? Encounter frogs, did we? Not really. There was one instance where you drove past a pond of frogs, and Roy did recoil in horror. Yeah. (laughs) That's about all there was. So I'm thinking uh, we're we're probably going to skip that. Currently, he's at 64 out of 68 sanity. So right about the same uh, as Dan's. Okay. So not too terrible, but not great as well. All right, uh, let's go ahead and recover luck. So roll D100. You want over a 21. Okay. I got an 8. That's not over. So (laughs) no more luck for you. You're going to stay at 21. And that's going to do it. At least just a legal drinking age. Right. So we're all set with development. I think that means I have the highest luck at 52. Oh, yeah, you do. We said basically that Dan had resolved his key connection to a certain point. So, Dan, what I need you to do is to think about what occurred in Hell House. And what may have affected you the most, is there anything that happened that could replace that key connection of gunshots that you would strive towards this time around that may be different? I'm now deathly afraid of addicts. Claw hammers. He's terrified of claw hammers. (laughs) (laughs) And glass in general. Can I toss something out there? Uh Uh-huh. You know, with the, my life and this one, I was thinking more along the lines of suicide. Ooh. Right? Yeah. But if you like that, then go ahead and change your key connection from gunshots okay. to suicide. Are we able to have more than one key connection? I feel in the terms of character building, it would be helpful to add something about fire to Roy. I don't disagree with that. Frogs on fire. <laughs> Fiery frogs. frogs. that spit fire. You will notice uh, in the player's folder that I have added a note for each of you. It says keeper notes for Dan, keeper notes for Roy, and keeper notes for Jack. Okay. These are little messages that only you have access to. And I've already included some interesting tidbits for you to read and absorb and act upon. This can be used to send me notes if you want. Okay. Otherwise, I'm going to use it as just a a means of giving you some motivation. We'll see how this works. Okay? Cool. Okay. Well, guess what time it is, guys? Peanut butter jelly time? It's time to pay the bills. Let's take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Need a ride? Need it fast and discreet? Look no further than Undercover Uber. Simply download our app from the marketplace, enter your credit card details, then mark a pickup location on the map. 
We'll send one of our unmarked black SUVs curbside in moments and get you to your destination as soon as possible. It's that easy. Want to become one of our undercover Uber drivers? We are seeking applicants on a continual basis. Please note, you must be of sound mind and body, possess a valid driver's license, and be unafraid to jaunt through time portals. Some drivers have experienced rapid aging, mental instability, and bouts of self-harm, followed by irrepressible screaming laughter, but then again, they ignored the cardinal rule. Roll up the window before entering any time portal. Otherwise, suffer the consequences for eternity. Ask us about our 401k dental and health plans. You're bound to need at least two of the three. Undercover Uber, a Pharmex and Herbert West Industries joint. And we're back. Got the skills to pay the bills. So that check is coming in when? Yeah, it's not really worth the payment to have to play that. Yeah, I still don't get why we have to pay for those commercials. Shouldn't they pay us for those commercials? Well, yeah, but we pay in Scooby Snacks, so. It's it's like an exposure thing, Brian. Well, I expose myself all the time, but I don't get paid. Well, you have a webcam. What more do you need? When I expose myself, I often have to pay to do it. Heavy fines. <laughs> Who's Heavy Fines and why are you paying him? It's a horrible <laughs> rapper's name. All right, now, dear investigators, we begin. <sighs> Chapter 6. The Big Uneasy. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. The investigation into the death of Kelly Landrum in Leland, Texas is finished. Something evil dwelled under the old Angerstein house, its dread influence sapping the will of anyone who ventured inside the structure. First Kelly, then Don Eller's suicide, and finally the victims of Kevin Cho were enough to feed the creature until it could break free and wreak havoc on the populace. Somehow, Roy arrived just in time to invoke an ancient spell that brought down the beast and destroyed the haunted house. It is the following day. All three investigators have been escorted by the FBI back to headquarters, where they have been sequestered from each other. At this stage, I'm going to need Brian and Gabe to pop out their headphones. We'll give you a thumbs up when it's safe to put them back in. Oh, thank God. Now that they're gone, we can really start talking. (laughs) Dan, you're sitting in a nondescript concrete interrogation room at a small metal table with nothing on it. One wall has a large mirror. Beneath the bandages on your gut, the gunshot wound you suffered in Leland itches like crazy. Luckily, the bullet passed through without hitting any organs and medical personnel were able to patch you up at the scene. The door opens, and a man in a black suit enters. He appears to be quite pale, perhaps in his early 40s, clean-shaven, dark eyes. Under one arm is a yellow legal pad. He approaches, shakes your hand, and introduces himself as he sits across from you. I'm Agent Akeley, Mr. Williams. I'd like to ask you a few questions about the occurrences of Leland, Texas. May I call you Dan? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. If it makes it any easier on me. Well, thank you. Thank you. Dan, I'm going to need you to make two rolls. The first roll is psychology. (laughs) That's a good one. Holy shit. Oh, that was persuade, not psychology. My bad. I clicked the wrong button. Damn. There goes one of my good rolls. That's better. I needed a 10 and I rolled a 78. So he seems to be very up and up, very businesslike, very formal. And I would also like you to make a spot hidden, please. Skill bump, don't fail me now. Damn it, skill bump, you failed me. I rolled a 100. Ooh, that is a fumble. (laughs) Yep. What you notice is that uh, he has very nice handwriting as he scrawls on the legal pad. He has a warmth in his voice, and he just seems to be a man with kind eyes. Okay. All right, so he sits down and starts jotting on the legal pad. He says, uh, in your own words, uh, please tell me what happened last night. Well, we knew there was something wrong with that house, everything we had seen up until that point indicated that there was something either in the house or around the house that was causing these odd phenomena of people going crazy. There were strange accidents. And we we figured out that it all happened to be centered in the attic. So we figured, you know, go back to the house, go up into the attic, and, and maybe we'd find the, the source of the disturbance there. And then we got to the attic, or we got to the house, and that's when things got really weird. Uh, I remember seeing words on a, on a chalkboard, and instead of just staying there, they kind of came off the chalkboard and started 
swirling around and they attached themselves to me and how, how do you mean like like it some it looked like someone had written the word fire on the chalkboard and it was almost like um stop motion animation you know where mm-hmm. it looks like it's moving but it's not really moving and then it came off the chalkboard and it attached itself to my clothing it, it's hard to, like if someone had if, if it's like if i had pushed my back against it and when you pull away you have like that imprint of what was in chalk on your clothing mm-hmm. it was it was kind of like that i guess uh and then i blacked uh, well, let out let me just stop you right there uh, okay um, uh, just a quick question i'm sorry i'm sorry uh-huh. i'm just trying to get my ducks in a row here uh, uh had, had you had anything to drink that day uh, alcohol uh, uh oh, God, no. i was just coming off of uh i just got out of a hospital I, I I was. Had they given you any medication? Uh, nothing past uh, ibuprofen. I mean, they patched me up and sent me out. Kind of sad I didn't get any of the good stuff, you know. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. I understand. Please continue. So I blacked out, and when I came to, I was in the attic with uh a, with uh, Officer Martinez, one of the the local police officers, and Agent Whiteside, and there were shadows or a shadow like substance i guess moving around on the walls and then agent whiteside pulled out what appeared to be a pocket watch and clicked it and that seemed to have agitated it and that's when we heard uh gunshots coming from the school shooting room and and that and is first, the uh the parlor right yeah yeah what what the parlor was and at first we didn't think much of it because you know oh school shooting room we figured they were blanks and then we noticed that people were you know running and shoving and pushing to get out so we went down to investigate and we saw people were bleeding and this wasn't, you know, blanks. People were actually getting shot. So in an attempt to kind of pincer maneuver the shooter, I attempted to get past the open door. And when I did, I caught a bullet in my uh, lower abdomen and um, that pretty much took me out. I ended up ripping off a, a piece of my shirt and using it as like a bandage. You know, just to hold the bleeding off. And when we we went outside, there was this really big thing that had, like, come up out of the ground. And it was part house, part, like, weird shadow. It was hard to describe. The police were there, and they were shooting at it. And the pastor was there, and he was holding up a cross and saying things. And then it started bending down and grabbing people. And then Mm -hmm. just, you know, tossing them back like they were... And this was the shadow. Yeah, the giant shadow monster that had come out of the house. I see. Uh, started, you know, tossing people back like they were uh, chips on game day, you know? The pastor stepped forward with his Bible and his cross, and he was, you know, saying things out of the Bible, and it took him. And that's when Agent Arroyo mm-hmm. showed up. And he was fine, which is strange considering he had been hit with a Molotov cocktail not too long ago, and we were told he was in intensive care in a burn ward over in Dallas. That wasn't really the weirdest part of this because when he opened his mouth it um wasn't him talking it was my ex-fiance possibly ex-fiance she said she wanted to talk about things and we we haven't really gotten around to that yet so Mm -hmm. and and she said uh she wanted to talk to me i uh, apparently left her a drunk voicemail which she was not too happy about and she uh, said some words through Roy, and it caused the shadow thing to shriek and then disappear. Okay. Well, thank you for that. No problem. Interesting story. Um, what do you know about an antique photograph recovered from the Ankerstein house? Photograph. Oh, yeah. Prior to all this happening, a couple of days before I had made my way into the attic, just on a preliminary recon, you know, I saw this photograph and it stood out to me because it had uh, a family crest on the back. Uh, the the Angerstein family crest, the, the people who used to own the house, and me thinking that maybe there would be some sort of hint as to what happened to cause this weird stuff to start happening because i don't know if you know but i do some private investigating myself and i have seen some yes, I see that here. weird mm-hmm. things before and my prior experience has told me that if there's something there you can usually find something about it in the past so i like to do a lot of uh digging into the history of places where i go and kind of get a good background so i figured this photograph would be a good place to start but it didn't really do a lot of help we went to the library and i couldn't 
really find much of anything. All right, uh, one final question. Uh, when was the last time you saw your fiance, Samantha Blaine? Oh, uh, that would be the day that we hopped on the jet to come down to Leland. She was in the study reading over some weird books. I said, hey, I'm going out of town. She said, please don't bother me. I'm reading. And I packed a bag and left. I see. Okay. After you've given your answers, Agent Akeley stands up abruptly. Thank you for your cooperation, Mr. Williams. Uh, I'll be back if I have any other questions for you. He leaves the tiny room. After several minutes, armed guards enter and escort you back to holding quarters. Not quite a cell, but not quite a hotel room either. There is a bed and a bathroom, but no TV or phone. So it's a Motel 6. Got it. Your luggage has been brought here, though your weapons and mobile phone are missing. Meals are brought to your room by the same armed guards. Simple, healthy dishes, no doubt prepared in a cafeteria in this building. You try to sleep despite the nightmares. The next morning, the guards escort you back to the interrogation room where Akeley awakes with more questions, variations on the ones that came before. This routine continues for a full week. You're not allowed contact with anyone else during this time. Finally, your phone and weapons are returned. The guards will escort you to the parking lot, Akeley announces. A car is waiting outside to take you home. I must advise you to refrain from speaking about this incident or the occurrences in Texas, at least for the time being. Good luck, Mr. Williams, and welcome back to Arkham. Jack, you're sitting in a nondescript concrete interrogation room at a small metal table with nothing on it. You can't handle the truth. One wall has a large mirror. The door opens and a man in a dark suit enters. He appears to be quite pale, perhaps in his late 30s, clean-shaven, black eyes. Under one arm is a yellow legal pad. He approaches, shakes your hand, and introduces himself as he sits across from you. I'm Agent Akeley, Mr. Whiteside, and I'd like to ask you a few questions about the occurrences in Leland, Texas. May I call you Jack? Yeah, you can call me Jack. Thank you. Jack, I need you to make two rolls. The first one is psychology, please. I needed a 10, and I got a 31. So he seems to be like, you know, pretty well put together agent, much like yourself. But he seems to be very serious. His eyes are just very serious. The second roll I need you to make is a spot hidden. I needed a 70, and I rolled a 100. I don't know, you're getting a vibe of that he he seems to be like very upper crust in the FBI. Maybe he outranks you by at least a couple clicks, if not more. I mean, he might even be a director. Oh, so Above you kind of get a nervous feeling. So he says, uh, well, I just have a few questions here for you, um, agent. In your own words, please tell me what happened last night. Oh, boy. Where do I begin? Just last night. You don't need me to elaborate on the investigation? No, not at this time. I'm we're, I'm just really curious to know what transpired last night at the house. Uh, we went to the house to retrieve an item that May have been suspect. We weren't sure, but we wanted to get it out of the house so we could inspect it better. I'm sure you're aware of that. Yes, I am. In the process of uh, of coming down the stairs, uh, we heard sh- shooting. Uh, I drew my, my weapon, and uh, we proceeded down the stairs where we saw uh, the person in question. He was uh, randomly shooting at people, so I discharged my firearm. Mm-hmm. We proceeded to bring Dan Williams out to the ambulance because he was hit with one of the bullets. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I saw Roy Royo, and he addressed me directly. And uh, that's pretty much it. What do you know about the uh, antique mirror recovered from the Angerstein house? I really have no information. As, as soon as I discovered it, I, I had it uh, uh, shipped out. I'm not sure where they shipped it to, but uh, uh, Skinner wanted it right away so they could investigate. All right. Well, that, that does bring me to my last question. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you saw Assistant Director Sharon Skinner? Oh, boy. That was right before we left to uh, head on down here. You are aware that she is missing? I am not aware. I see. Well, I, I got a response from her text stating that all the paperwork would be in order for us to continue our investigation. But there was a long lull in between communication where I did not, I could not get a hold of her. And, and when did you receive that last communication? I believe I received that... Boy, I don't have the exact date, but I believe it was on a Friday, no, a Saturday, if I recall, stating that the paperwork would be in the sheriff's hands by Monday morning, because we were okay. just getting stonewalled left and right. I understand. Okay. After you've given your answers, Agent Akeley stands up abruptly. Thank you for your cooperation, Agent Whiteside. I'll be back if I have any other questions for you. He leaves the tiny room. 
After several minutes, armed guards enter and escort you to holding quarters. It is not exactly a jail cell, but not exactly a room at the Four Seasons either. There is a bed and a bathroom, but no TV or phone. Your luggage has been brought here, though weapons and mobile phone are missing. Meals are brought to your room by the same armed guards, simple healthy dishes prepared in the cafeteria on the second floor. You try to sleep despite intense nightmares of slithering shadow serpents. The next morning, the guards escort you back to the interrogation room where Akeley awaits with more questions, variations on the ones he's asked previously. This routine continues for a full week. You're not allowed contact with anyone else during this time. Finally, your phone and weapons are returned. The guards will escort you outside, Akeley announces. We have a car waiting to take you home. You are officially on leave and will be notified once the investigation is concluded to our satisfaction. I must advise you to refrain from speaking about this incident or the occurrences in Texas, at least for the time being. Take care, Mr. Whiteside, and welcome back to Arkham. Roy, you're sitting in a nondescript concrete interrogation room at a small metal table with nothing on it. One wall has a large mirror. The door opens, and a man in a dark gray suit enters. He appears to be quite pale, perhaps in his mid-fifties, clean-shaven with black eyes. Under one arm is a yellow legal pad. He approaches, shakes your hand, and introduces himself as he sits across from you. I'm Agent Akeley, Mr. Arroyo, and I'd like to ask you a few questions about the occurrences in Leland, Texas. May I call you Roy? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I got a lot of names, but that's one of them. Thank you. And he sits down. At this stage, I'm going to need you to make two rolls. The first one is psychology. Okay. So I need a 10. I got a 33, and that's a fail. All right. He seems to be very hard in his tone. His voice seems to be very businesslike and very serious. And the second thing I'm going to need you to do is roll a spot hidden. Okay. I need a 70. I got a 41. That's a success. You know something very odd about his fingers? As he scrawls on the legal pad, they look very smooth, as if they belong to a younger man. He takes a breath and says, Mr. Arroyo, in your own words, please tell me what happened last night. Well, I didn't see a whole lot of it. I didn't get there till the end, but uh, it seems to me that after a whole lot of cover-ups and a whole lot of dicks running a terrible city, there seemed to be some kind of a big monster attack that went down, and it took me to save everybody. I see. Can you explain your miraculous recovery from the life-threatening wounds you received from the fire in the jail cell? I've always been a fast healer. Really? That's uh, incredibly fast. From what I understand, you were in critical condition? Yeah, I might have been for a while. I don't really remember a lot of it. What do you remember? Well, I seem to remember being offered a pie that I have yet to receive, then hearing a voice, doing some screaming, everything got a little hot, and the next thing I know, I'm in a hospital, dreaming some things, and then I'm showing up at the monster scene. Now this, uh, this voice you speak of, uh, did you recognize it? Might have been Kid Canada's, but I could be wrong. That's the doctor. I see, Kid Canada. Well, I, I do have one final question for you, Mr. Arroyo. When was the last time you saw Officer Bugsy Cicerelli? Well, we've got to be right before we came to Leland. And he seemed okay? Yeah, he's, he's always a little weird. He's a weird dude, but nothing out of the ordinary for him. I see. You are aware that he is missing? I did not know that, no. Okay. Well, I understand you. the two of you were close. Uh, yeah, he's my best friend, so I'd hope so. I see. After you've given your answers, Agent Akeley stands up abruptly. Thank you for your cooperation, Agent Arroyo. I'll be back if I have any other questions for you. Hey. Yes. You're going to find him and let me know, right? Yes, uh, that is our intent. All right. If you need any more help finding him, just let me know. He leaves the tiny room. After several minutes, armed guards enter and escort you to holding quarters. It's not necessarily a holding tank, but not precisely a suite at a fancy hotel either. There is a bed and a bathroom, but no TV or phone. Your luggage has been brought here, though weapons and mobile phone are missing. Meals are brought to your room by the same armed guards, simple healthy dishes prepared in the cafeteria on the second floor. When you sleep, it is the sleep of the dead, dreamless. The next morning, the guards escort you back to the interrogation room where Akeley awaits with more questions, variations on the ones he's asked previously. This routine continues for a full week. You're not allowed contact with anyone else during this time. Finally, your phone and weapons are returned. The guards will escort you outside, Akeley announces. We have a car waiting to take you home. You are officially on leave and will be notified once the investigation is concluded to our satisfaction. I must advise you to refrain from speaking about this incident or the occurrences in Texas, at least for the time being. 
Godspeed, Mr. Arroyo, and welcome back to Arkham. Dan, you exit FBI headquarters to see a black SUV idling just outside the entry. The driver bustles toward you and takes your luggage to the rear of the truck, tosses it in, then opens the passenger door for you to climb inside. This is one of the better Ubers I've ever had. I'm going to hop into the back of the SUV. As you do so, you see that two people are already there. It is Roy and Jack, and they look about as haggard as you feel. Excuse me, I believe I called an Uber for just me. What are they doing here? Excuse me, do you have any gray poupon? (laughs) (laughs) So, did you guys enjoy staying at the Motel 6 underneath the FBI headquarters as much as I did? Oh boy, that was, uh, that was definitely a trying experience. How'd you guys, how'd you guys make out? There wasn't even any screen doors. I know, I know, it was tough. I mean, at least the guy who was interviewing us seemed nice enough. Nah, he was probably a dick. Not like me and Brian both rolled 100s on our spot hidden. Oh, wait, we did. Wait. Yeah. Um, what are the odds? That that was uh, extremely interesting. Uh, why don't we uh, go get some food, maybe, and, uh, and, and catch up a little bit there in a public area? You afraid they're going to disappear us if we talk about it inside the car? Well, now I'm not. <laughs> oh, the driver just jumped out and we're going off a cliff. Son of a bit. What kind of questions did they ask you, Roy? Oh, uh, well... They asked me about uh, how I recovered so fast, which I really didn't know, and they told me that Bugsy's missing. Really? Yeah. So I'm well, not Bugsy. pretty worried about that. At least you still have Petunia. And also the guy who was interviewing me had baby hands. Really? You were interviewed by Donald Trump? Yeah. You were? I wasn't. Oh, man. Did they uh, give you any information about Skinner? No. They, I was asked pretty much the same things over and over again. Really? Yeah, same here. Mostly variations on the whole what happened question, and what do you mean there was a giant shadow creature? And There was a shadow creature? I peel off the mask and I'm the interviewer. Ha ha! da da What a twist! Well, I got a little bit of information. I didn't give out too much, but I, I gleamed a little bit. Skinner has been missing for a while. You're, so, the your boss lady just... That is correct. She's like my eighth best friend. What the heck? I have a feeling that uh, there's a little bit more to the story than uh, than they're letting on, obviously. Hmm. Well, I mean, who who would guess the FBI is, is holding secrets? So unlike them. They're so transparent and open about everything. Probably the NSA. Oh, my bad. Dan? Yeah? Is anyone you care about missing? Not that I know of. I mean, uh, Sam did the weird thing through you and... Other than that, what hap- What does? What's the last thing you remember? Uh, I remember uh, the last we got in this car and we've been talking for a while. Huh. <laughs> hmm. Roy, what's the last thing you remember? That what I just said. <laughs> I remember What'd when I say? told <laughs> when I told you that I we've gotten in this car and that's the last thing that I remember. When you were in the hospital is what I was referring to. <laughs> well, I remember hearing. Kid Canada's voice, but it might not have been him. I was pretty loopy, and basically, beyond that, the last thing I remember is getting to the scene, being awesome, and warding out that monster. You remember that? Yeah, but... Do you remember you, do you remember you speaking those words? I don't really remember anything other than being there. Okay. Because you sounded an awful lot like Sam. Yeah. Just, just so you know. You did not sound like yourself, I know that much. I, I did not, uh, I've never met Sam, so... All I'm saying is my best friend's missing. Jack, the only person you give a crap about is miss. Or sorry, the only person who gives a crap about you is missing. That's two. So, Dan, you might want to make some contact with whoever you care about. Well, we'll see if she's in the study when we get back to Blaine Manor later. Well, let's uh, let's definitely touch base after maybe a day or two. Okay. Works for me. I'd give you a card, but I don't have a Roy, card. Roy, what do you remember last? <laughs> <laughs> All right, each of you has driven home and dropped off one by one in Arkham. Please briefly describe your homecoming. And we'll start with, I want to start with Roy first, because I think that's the best one. (laughs) Do we have the time? Yeah. As I get out of the car, Rigby and Raid are fighting on the lawn and see me and those little losers try and hug me. But I hit them in the shoulder to make sure that they curb that behavior. And as I enter the house, Greta is crying and sleeping on the couch but she's crying in her sleep again like she usually does. And it's pretty obvious to me that Rhonda's been pretty terrible over the last few days. I mean, I don't know what she's been doing, but I mean, it's Rhonda. Of course, she's been terrible. Raymond is, of course, sitting at the kitchen table doing his homework like a good kid that I raised and Greta raised the other ten. Then I can hear freaking 
Ricky, Robbie, Rhodey, and Raleigh making all that noise, which I don't understand how they can be making noise when they can't even hear or walk or anything. So that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. As it becomes fairly clear that no one cares that I'm back, I sit in my chair and put on Sports Center. The SUV proceeds towards Jack's destination. Well, I walk up to my condo, open up the doors, pick up the mail from the slot. Boy, it's been a while since I've dusted. Flick on the lights, bulb pops. This is not a happy time right now. I walk into my condo, throw the mail on the counter, walk over to the fridge and open it up, immediately shut it before I puke. It is disgusting. I walk over to the couch. I flop down, grab the remote, turn on the TV. Sports Center. (laughs) (laughs) Flip it to my favorite channel, HGTV. And as night approaches, Dan, go ahead and describe your homecoming. They drop me off in front of the gates. It takes me a couple of tries to remember the code to get in because it's been a while. But, you know, as per usual, as per Chuck, the code was just 2345. So the gates slowly swing open. I saunter on up the drive, open the front door, and yell, Lucy, I'm home, and I think you've got some splaining to do. Your words rebound throughout the empty house without any answer. After heaving your luggage up the stairs, grunting as you feel the stitches in your belly pull taut, you go room to room, but there is no one home. Evidently, Samantha is away. A sense of foreboding descends as you prepare for bed. Do you hope she'll return while you are asleep? You're not quite certain. Your emotions a hot tangle that you've yet to unravel. Despite a rising fear of the nightmares ahead, unconsciousness comes swiftly. Jack... You fall asleep, oddly, with very little trouble, dreaming of soft wind blowing through fragrant sugarcane. A bright, hot sun burns overhead. Wet grass yields beneath your bare feet as you walk along a dusty road. The sound of cicadas buzzing incessantly fills your ears. Slowly, you awaken in the dead of night to realize the sound does not dissipate. In fact, you realize it isn't buzzing at all, but rather a kind of rattling noise? That's when you feel a heavy, scaly mass slither by your leg. Your heart seems to go cold as you peer down to see a six-foot rattlesnake coiled near your feet. Dan, night comes slowly. You're too restless to sleep. You can't help but think about what Agent Akeley said about Samantha's disappearance. How does this tie into what you witnessed in Leland when Samantha's voice came out of Roy's mouth? What might Roy know about Samantha missing? You need clues, and there's only one place you can think to look. As you quietly pad down the staircase toward the study, you hear something down the hall. Perhaps the lamp on the desk? Fall and break on the floor. Roy, night creeps in like fog drifting over a moor. Everyone else has gone to bed, but you can't sleep. You're sitting in your favorite chair, awash in the glow of the boob tube, watching reruns of the Home Shopping Network, where they're hawking the newest models of screen doors. Finally, a drowsiness washes over you and you feel your chin touch your chest. The remote slips from your hands, hits the floor, and luckily punches the button to make the TV go off. That took you long enough, Samantha's voice echoes in your slumbering mind. Now listen up. There isn't much time and we need to get busy. And that's where we're going to call it. Tune in next time for more of Chapter 6, The Big Uneasy. Will Batman get out of the trap? Will Robin help him? Will Dan get jealous of Sam and Roy's new relationship? (laughs) It is time for our recommendos. And who wants to go first? I do. All right, Brian. Oh, not today. Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm recommending a video game. Ha ha, Matt. This game, I only bought it because they had the Microsoft sale on Xbox and it was $5. It's called Valley. The story alone, you really can't describe it too much. It's a first person exploration game, but you can't describe it to where you won't get, you'll give anything away if you try to give too much information. It's an extremely well-written story that unfolds in ways that I didn't expect, which is rare because I play a lot of games. I've watched a lot of anime. I've I've been around a bit. And this game, it, it really blew me away. I'm a completionist when I play games, and I could not complete everything. So I, I still have it ready to go back and play again and again and again and again. But the story, I, I it just the way it unfolded really... 
it was refreshing. So I highly recommend checking it out. Um, I think uh, without the sale, it's only 20 bucks. It's called Valley. All right, cool. I'll go next, and I'm going to recommend the 2017 horror film directed by David Bruckner called The Ritual. It is a Netflix exclusive. It was a UK-produced movie that Netflix bought the U.S. distribution rights for. And although if you're in the U.K., you could probably see it on the big screen. It tells the tale of four middle-aged friends who decide to uh, hike in the wilderness of the Swedish mountains after their fifth friend uh, has been killed in a, a brutal robbery gone wrong. Unfortunately, uh, these four surviving friends decided to take a shortcut through a forest. And unfortunately, that uh, forest hides an ancient secret. I won't give it away, but it is presented in such a way that there's there's no humor. This isn't a funny film at all. It's very straight-faced. Uh, it tells a compelling story of survivor's guilt. Uh, one of the surviving members was actually there to witness the, the friend's uh, murder uh, during the robbery, and he feels greatly responsible, and all of the friends more or less kind of blame him for the death. So there's a lot of emotional baggage going on there that is really compelling to do a good job with that. The cinematography is beautiful. They're showing all these glorious mountains in Sweden. Once they get into the forest, then it goes quickly to a horror movie, uh, much like Blair Witch, where they're just basically trying to get out of the forest once they've gone in. But there is excellent creature effects and a surprising injection of Swedish or Norse mythology that I really loved. Highly recommended The Ritual. All right. How about you, Gabe? I'm going to do a video game. This is a game I've seen get, like, crucified, and I don't know. I think the people who crucified are just whiny people who haven't actually played it. So the, the big controversy is the loot box system, except for the fact that you don't need a loot box system to beat the game. It's just play the freaking game, and you can actually win it. Uh, it's Middle Earth Shadow of War. The big controversy is they say in the fourth act, you basically have to buy the win. But here's a pro tip for you. Use the fight pits if you played the first one. It's an expansion on that. And if you didn't, you are a ranger that's like morphed with the soul of a wraith. A Celebrimbor, if you're familiar with the Middle-earth mythos. And you're basically trying to gather an army and defeat Sauron and take over Mordor. It's Mordor, but sort of other parts of Middle-earth too. It's a lot of fun. Even before the fourth act, which is the big controversy, I had about 20 hours of gameplay. Even if you, if you don't want to do the fourth act, because I will admit it's a bit tedious and the payoff isn't exactly worth it, but I had fun doing it. Because it's a, it's a series of castle raids which I could see that being tedious, but I enjoyed the game thoroughly, so I didn't have a problem doing it. Even before that, you have 20 hours plus if you want to make it that of gameplay. And I think the biggest selling point, which it was in the first game too, is their nemesis system in which you fight these captain orcs and they'll adapt They'll learn how to combat your fighting. Some of them, if they kill you, they'll grow stronger. If you kill them, they might come back over and over and over and over again, just getting more degraded every time they come back, begging you to kill them, but they just can't die. They'll make references. They'll be like, oh, I murdered your wife. What's up? It's like, some of it is really funny, actually. There's one guy who wanted to uh, cut my skin up and use it as bandages for the wounds that I've inflicted upon him. Some of them can even get creepy. The nemesis system is so vast that you can get hundreds of thousands of options, different looking orcs. The only thing that really overlaps is names. You can take these orcs, put them into your army, make them run your castles, defend the castles, also while you're trying to overtake Sauron, growing your army all the whole time. So it's a really good game. It's been out for a little while. So even if the Nemesis or even if Act 4, I have to get a loot box because I don't like playing the game, uh, offends you that deeply, it's like 50% of what you would have paid. So I think that that's fair. So just don't discount this game for what was said about that. It's excellent even if you want to quit once you get there. It's worth your time and it's an excellent game. Middle of Shadow of War. All right. Thank you, Gabe. And how about you, Matt? 
since everyone seems to be stepping all up in my territory today, <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to step things up. So we're going to make this uh, a two for one, I guess, because I have a game, but I guess I can promote something else while I'm here. So first part of this is going to be a, a piece of hardware. Everyone and who's anyone in the gaming world and even outside of it knows who Nintendo is. Huge icons. And, you know, they're responsible for Mario and Yoshi and Kirby and Donkey Kong. Well, uh, not too long ago, they released their latest piece of hardware, which is the Nintendo Switch, which uh, I've had an eye on for a long time. And I finally, with a little bit of extra cash, managed to grab one. Despite the worries that I had about it, the size of it, the, you know, being a part portable system, battery life and resolution, I'm incredibly surprised at how well made this thing is. Not only is it for its size, it's incredibly light. It looks big, but it's no pain whatsoever to use in handheld mode. I don't, you know, I don't feel like my arms get tired after holding it up for a while. I can get easily two, two and a half hours of battery life of just straight play out of this thing before it needs to be charged again. Oh, they have a lot of really neat built-in features. The little controllers on the side are called Joy-Cons, and they have something that they call HD Rumble, which gives multiple motors up and down the whole thing, so when something happens, it's really great because you can get a better feeling for what's going on. And it's just, it's a really great system and a really small package that I love because not only can you take it with you anywhere, but you can play it on your big screen as well by putting it into the dock, is what they call it. And it displays up on your TV like it's a full console like an xbox or a playstation and um why i'm at telling you to get the switch the one thing you should get with your switch is a game called the legend of zelda breath of the wild it's the uh, newest entry into the zelda series and i've played the older ones i've run through ocarina of time majora's mask uh the original legend of zelda and i just really love breath of the wild not only because it's a more modern take on the series but because the whole premise of it is just flat exploration in breath of the wild they take you through a short tutorial run you through a tutorial area and from there literally let go of you and say hey go do whatever the fuck you want we're not going to stop you you can literally finish the tutorial and walk straight into the final boss fight of the game and they're not going to say don't do that so you have total free to roam this gigantic world to meet people talk to them complete quests level up whatever you want and it's just such an incredible gameplay loop to have that freedom because it allows you to, to make your own story. So if you want to decide, you know, oh, I want to go, you know, all the way to all four corners of the map, you can do that. And along the way, you'll find people and you'll find quests and always have things to do. And it's just such an engaging game that I honestly have a very, very hard time putting it down whenever I pick it up. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Podbean, Stitcher, or anywhere you download your regular podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, you can find us at thelovecrafttapes.com with links to all our recommendos and social media channels, including Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server, where you can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. And if anybody knows how to get that really nice FBI agent of Fruit Basket, let me know on Twitter at The Real Weird Kid. And if you want to get the really nice FBI agent of Fruit Basket, you can find me at Lovecraft Gabe. Uh, if you want to get the guy that interviewed me, uh, Fruit Basket, screw it. You can find me at Brian Podcast on Twitter. Until next time, roll for sanity. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2018. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.com.